This is our last message in uh, our teaching series, putting first things first. Next week is Mother's Day, as we mentioned to you, and so we'll honor moms and uh, speak probably in that area. But we want to conclude because we've been using these three Sundays talking about the place of God in our lives and how all through the Bible, God establishes ways of demonstrating his, you you know what I'm going to say? Say that, first nest. See, we're going to get this started all over America. And then it's going, to, it's, going to, it's going to be put into a dictionary. And we're going to point at it and say, I remember when that word got created. I was there. First nest. First nest. Not just in theory, but in reality. And to be upfront and candid, um, most of it has revolved around, and I've used uh, a lot of illustrations with regards to giving. Uh, but it's not just with finance. It's about your time. It's about your schedule. Um, certainly money, priorities. Where is God in reality in your life? I know what everybody, what everyone would say this morning. You would say, I love the Lord. I'm here. Obviously, I'm at church. I'm worshiping Him. Um, I, I, I believe that to be important. It's an important feature of my life. I understand all of those things that we say. I, I want you to take the next step and, and get it off paper And what is it in reality? Where is God in your life in reality? And if you think that these past three weeks have been just about your finances, I think you have desperately missed what I'm trying to communicate. And I'm praying that as we conclude, you'll get the full revelation concerning. You've got to position yourself for miracles. It's just not about money. It's about God's favor in all of your life. I want God in all of my life. I want God to bless my marriage. You can have all the money in the world and, 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 and it won't bless your marriage. See, I want him to help me in my relationship. I want him to help me with my family. I want, to, I want him to help me in ministry. That's, that's my career. I want him to help me surely in my bank account as well. But every arena of life, I want God to be involved in it in order that he can favor it, that he can bless it, that he can multiply it. And this is about lordship. This is about whether or not he's going to be number one. Because he blesses that which he's in charge of. Are you hearing me? He's not, he just doesn't show up because you're in charge of it and you need a little help. He blesses what he's in charge of. Jesus said that he could only do what the Father was doing. Jesus said, I have come to do the will of him who sent me. What the Father does, I do. What the Father says, I speak. Do you understand that Jesus was blessed because God, his father, was first, first in absolutely everything. And so that's that's what the challenge has has been all about. And I have appreciated. I just want to say this out loud. I have appreciated um, there have been several of you and you know who you are. Uh, you pulled me over to the side these last three weeks because I've been really careful. I wanted to be careful uh, that I just didn't didn't communicate or give the vibe off that it's, you know, we're just talking about finances. And several of you have have pulled me over to the side and uh, in some form or fashion, you've said, Pastor, you know, we've been with you for years and we know your heart and and we get it. We understand that this just isn't about bank books. Um, This is about God's place of Lord, uh, Lordship in all of our life. And so thank you uh, for that. I'm not one that's much on gimmicks. I've watched enough Christian television and been around these circles long enough to know that there are more gimmicks and games in receiving offerings 
There, there are just there's there's silliness, there's manipulation, um, shenanigans. I don't like that any more than the next person does. But having said that, I also believe that God prospers, that God blesses us, and when we follow His pattern, He will multiply to us finance as well. So don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I, I don't believe we have to gimmick our way. Uh, to see God move, but I do believe we have to acknowledge his, his firstness. And I believe I put this on the screen overhead. If you are giving to get, then all we have accomplished is to stir up your greed and selfishness. I want you just to let that sink in and absorb that, maybe write it down. Because, you know, there are a lot of people when it comes to the offering, they, they give after they've received some instruction because they want to get something. And if you're giving to get, then all we've done is appealed to your carnal nature. That's all we've done. It is God's plan. Go ahead, post it, guys. It is God's plan to prosper his people in order that we may give to give. Are you following me? That's why you've heard me say on occasion, if God can get it to you, can he get it through you? You see, even Jesus told the parable about the guy who's prospering and then he builds bigger barns to hold it all. And he says, soul, take thy knees. And it really irritates the Lord. And he says, today, your soul is required of you. And he literally takes him out and he leaves all that money behind. You do understand that everything we've got by way of material things one day is going to be left behind. So so the key to it is, how do we steward this? We steward it. Obviously, to take care of our own lives and pay our bills and our children and all these sorts of things. But God has kingdom purpose in mind for us as well. And it is his plan to prosper us that we might give to give. God wants us to trust him first as we are trustworthy. He will entrust to us more. And I put down on the screen. Remember, it's right action, right heart. And what we've been zeroing in on is right order. If, if, you, if you do what's right and you do it out of a right heart and you put it in the right order, you are qualified to begin to be multiplied. And I believe that's what God is wanting to do. I want him to do that in my life. How many of you would like God to move just some amazing, miraculous ways because he's first? I really want that in my life. If you have your Bibles, open it up to Luke's Gospel, chapter 16 going to take just a few moments and then we're going to sit down and celebrate and eat together. Luke 16, I want to read some unusual verses. I've been pulling out all the weird verses. I like teaching on weird verses because I want to know what the Lord is saying to me. Because sometimes I feel like they're mystery nuggets that we need to get a hold of. Hey, by the way, a mystery nugget you don't get at McDonald's either. If you get a mystery nugget, I wouldn't eat it if I were you, so... This is, this is a spiritual mystery nugget in Luke 16, verse 9. And, and I'm going to just read these verses, and, and I'm really getting to verse 12. But Jesus just tells this parable that's really kind of weird. It's about this guy who's about ready to get uh, cut loose, so to speak. And um, what he does is he begins to use money as a way to make sure he's, he's taken care of. And it almost looks like a parable of manipulation. And, and I've never understood it. But he's, but he's basically springboarding off this parable in order to say sometimes the world has more sense, even though it's working evil, than we do when we should be working righteously. He says we just don't think. 
And uh, I really, my point isn't to untangle the parable, but get to verse 9 where it says, and I say to you, listen to this, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. Unrighteous mammon. Into when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. And then he says, he who's faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. The precept there needs to be taught a lot. The Lord's saying to us this, if I give you a little thing and you can't handle it, why in the world would I give you anything bigger? Hey, listen to me. If you can't get to your minimum wage job on time, why would he let you be CEO of a great corporation when you're the one that sets your own time and schedule? Are you following me? That's what that precept means. It means if I give you a buck, a dollar, and I can't get 10 cents off that, in order for you to recognize my ownership of that dollar, why would I give you a million of them? You're following me. All right, amen. Verse 11, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And some of your versions may say true spiritual riches. And I've looked at that, and, and I think it could mean a number of things. The original language isn't absolutely clear. But, but, but I do believe what he's saying is, I don't believe the windows of heaven will open. I don't, be, I don't think you'll be favored in, in really life in general. I don't believe that, that people uh, will be influenced by who you are. I don't believe you'll get deeper understandings. He says, if we can't handle unrighteous mammon, now I'm going to get to that in just a minute. If you can't handle unrighteous mammon, Jesus said there are going to be some things cut off. He said, true riches will not come to you. You've not been faithful in what is another man's who will give you what is your own. In other words, if you can't be a good employee, you'll never be an employer. Verse 13, and this is the one I'm trying to get to. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Interesting, isn't it? And I've entitled the message this morning, our last one, Breaking the Spirit of Mammon. Breaking the Spirit of Mammon. If I were to ask you what mammon is, I suspect the short answer that many of us would give would be that we would simply say it's money. You've been taught to understand mammon to be money. And that is true to a degree. However, I want to expand that so you understand it clearly. Mammon is not simply money. Now hear this. But mammon is the spirit that is on our money. Okay, you need to understand. Mammon does not equal money per se, but mammon is the spirit that is on our money. Mammon, therefore, attaches to money. Now you say, well, well then what's mammon? Well, mammon, if you would study it, is actually the Syrian god of riches and wealth. That's what mammon was. It was actually a demonic entity, a false god, that, that came out of Syria that had to deal with riches and wealth. Now, for those of you that don't know, Syria used to be uh, ancient Babylon. And I have taught this before, that Babylon, of course, was the place and the location originally where the Tower of Babel stood. And we all know the story of Babel. That's where uh, uh, humanity was, was unifying together for unrighteous purposes in order to build this great tower, in order to reach into the heavens and supposedly touch God. And God came and confused them by changing everyone's language. And the word Babel actually means the place of confusion. 
Babylon is the place of confusion. Whenever you read in the Bible about Babylon, you ought to slip the word confusion in there. And it's amazing what the scripture will begin to speak to you about. But it's interesting that, that mammon was derived out of a culture that it says was full of confusion. Now, follow me here. Many, many people think that, that if they receive money or get money, that money will clear things up. When in reality, I've seen money cause greater confusion. Watch people who run into great sums of money. Watch lottery winners, for instance, or great recipients of inheritances. Watch what happens when they get great sums of money. It's amazing how life was pretty simple, but once this great sum of money comes, it can bring a lot of confusion to their life. If you don't believe me, look at our current economic situation in America. Is it not true? We, we supposedly have trillions of dollars coming in, but is there not confusion concerning the economy? You know why there's confusion over America's economy? It's because mammon is on it. The spirit of mammon is on our economy. And what that tells us is this, is that every time money comes into our hands, every time you receive a paycheck or every time your, your, your business receives increase, every time it happens and you receive money, you need to understand that mammon, a spirit, is on your money. Now, I used to think, and, and I know I probably taught it, that money was more or less neutral. I believe that for many, many years. In fact, it's just been relatively recently where I've just received some extra revelation here in understanding what the scripture was teaching that that money isn't neutral. I used to think that, you know, you get money and, and money could be used for righteous causes. You know, you, if you got money, you could use it to, to to be benevolent, to be charitable, you know, to build an orphanage in Haiti or Africa, or you could do benevolent things or you could receive money and you could be a drug dealer and destroy people's lives and and, and, and be corrupt. And, and so I used to think that money was just the tool by which righteousness or unrighteousness would flow from. And, and so it was just neutral. It was a neutral piece of paper. But I began to just look at the scripture and see what was going on. And I began to see that money's not neutral. It's not neutral. Yes, you can use it for good or evil purposes. But you need to understand that as it comes to us. There's a spirit on it. Now, now, for those of you that have had a lot of instruction from me with regards to demonic attachment and these sorts of things, you're probably making some connections already. Some of you may not be there yet and may not even believe me at this point, but you've got to understand that there are things that could come into our lives that can, be, that can have attachments to evil, dark forces. Our money's a part of that. Do you not think if money was used to transact, let's say, a, a business in, in, in illicit trade or pornography or, or something filthy or sinful, and it's, and it's transacted for that, and it goes to a bank, and the bank just works with it, and all of a sudden you go get your paycheck cashed, and something was used? Do you not think that something could attach to that? I, I, that's not beyond, for me, the realm of possibility. So I believe that there's, there can be a spirit attached to our money. Now, here's the question. If mammon can be attached to our money, why not God's spirit get attached to our money? Think about that for just a minute. If, if the devil can attach to our finances, why can't we get God's spirit attached to our finances? Now, you might say to yourself, well, pastor, I'm not sure. I don't know that I buy into the notion that my money has a spirit on it. I'm not sure. 
if, if I buy into that? What if I could just convince you, just give you a couple things to convince you that money could have a spirit on it? I'm going to give you some indicators. Just you think about this for just a minute. Don't, 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 don't push me off. Just think about it for a minute. Number one, mammon tries to rule you. Think about that. Jesus tells us here in the scripture, he says that you cannot serve God and mammon. So he already sets the scenario up that there's the possibility that God can rule in our life. Or mammon could rule in our life. Are you are you seeing that? He says, which one are you going to serve? There's this struggle. I believe that he's communicating between God and mammon. Now, think about this. Mammon tries to promise you everything God said he would provide for you. Think about this. God says that he would give us joy unspeakable and full of glory. Is that not right? That's God's word. But isn't it true that mammon says if you had more of me, you'd be happier. Isn't that true? Isn't it true that mammon would say something? If you could just have more of me, you wouldn't be worried anymore. Isn't that true? If I just had more money, I wouldn't have any worries. Where God's word says that he's the one that gives us peace that transcends understanding. Is it not true that that mammon speaks to us and said, if you just had more of me, you wouldn't have to go to work. You wouldn't have to answer to anybody. You could do what you want. I mean, you would be free. But doesn't the scripture say he whom the sun sets free is free indeed? What about what about if you had money? If I had, you know, the spirit of mammon says, if you just had more money, you'd be somebody. Your identity would suddenly, suddenly soar and you'd feel better about yourself when God says you're already accepted in the beloved. Think about that. If I had money, mammon begins to speak to us. You would be significant. People would know who you are. You'd be wealthy and notable. And God says, I already know you by name. I've numbered the hairs on your head and you need to be satisfied in the knowledge that your God knows exactly where you're at. Think about this for just a second. There's this there's this contending over who's going to rule, who you're going to listen to, because all the things that God promises to us, mammon speaks to us and says, why don't you let me replace him? How many times have you heard? Now, Now, I don't want you. We'll just believe you've heard it and you've never said it. Okay, we'll just believe that. But how many times have you heard this? I either need God to come through or I need to get some more money. I've heard that before. God, I either need you to come through or I need some money from somewhere. I mean, money, money, money is right up there with God. Think about this, that even in last days, the Bible tells us that when the when the Antichrist comes and even the spirit of Antichrist as it's on the earth, do you understand what's going to happen in the earth even in last days? The Bible says that we'll not be able to buy nor sell without the mark. In other words, mammon will be released to where it rules. Even the spirit of Antichrist is demonstrating the spirit of mammon is moving even in that regard. So so number one is, just to show the indicator that there's a spirit on it, mammon tries to rule you. Number two, and it kind of jumps off of this, is that I believe mammon speaks to you. You ever heard the old saying, money talks? That's true. Most of those old sayings usually have a place of truth in there. Your money has a spirit on it, and it can talk to you. I mean, if you don't think it can talk to you, some of you, I mean, you're as tight as Dick's hat band. 
And you'll see something and, and, you'll, and you'll have this whole conversation. And in some of that conversation, man, your money's talking to you. I've already mentioned to you, your, your, your money is talking to you. You'd have more respect if you had more money. People would admire you if you had more money. Matthew 13, verse 22. It's in the parable of the sower. And you understand that, that there's, the parable is this guy going around sowing seed. And, and some of it is, is prospering and flourishing. And other of the seed isn't doing anything. And, and then Jesus begins to communicate what it is that's choking the seed out. And one of the things he says is the deceitfulness of riches. He says the deceitfulness of riches has the capacity to choke out the word of God. Can I just share this with you? Money will talk you out of what God is trying to talk you into. I can't afford that. God's talking to me, but I can't afford that. I've literally had people come up to me through the years and they've looked me in the eye and they're saying, they said, God's speaking to me about doing something for his kingdom and even writing a check. But, but, but I can't do that. Well, why wouldn't you obey God? I didn't I didn't force this on them. In fact, I'm not even sure the message that day as the one I'm thinking about had anything to even do with that. But God's spirit started talking to them and they were going, what am I what am I going to do? Why are you consternating? Obey God. But 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 it's because something else is talking to him. See, money will talk you out of I can't afford that. I can't do that. What if what happens? What this what that? I mean, it's amazing how it can talk to us. And then finally, I believe. The scripture tells us that mammon opens doors to other spirits. First Timothy six, verse 10. It's one that's often quoted. A lot of people quote it as money is the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's the love of money. The love of money. Now, that's important because that word love is the word agape, which means the highest value, that which you create value in that which you value the most. You see, we're supposed to love God with agape. But, but, but Paul writes, he says, but there are some people that agape their money. That's their highest value. And he says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. And it talks about that it will lead us and open a door up to various kinds of evils. It deceives people. I've seen this through the year. Money will deceive people. Money, money has the capacity to... Uh, 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 Keep us from God's dealings in our life. I don't know about you, but when I don't have much money, God can deal with me pretty easy. If I've got a lot of money, it's amazing how long it takes to get through to me. Because a lot of times your money can insulate you from the dealings of God. Isn't it fascinating that even as we watch in the media that it seems as if the people with the most money oftentimes get into the most trouble? You would think that if money answered all your problems... That they would be, those that had much money would be the most stable, peaceful, joyful, happy, content people you would ever, you would ever meet. Let me tell you something. You, and I'm not just trying to pick on someone. You can have billions like Tiger and it won't fulfill you. Now you better understand that. You can be making hundreds of millions of dollars a year. There, there are athletes that make hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and they have a woman at every, at every stop, at every city. They get cocaine issues, drug issues. You would think it would, it would fix them. They sign contracts, just their signing bonuses would sustain them for the rest of their life. But yet they find themselves in all sorts of deceptions and crimes. I'm not picking on people, I'm just saying, I mean, why would you, why would you jeopardize millions to go dogfight? 
Now, you, you, you women may not even know what I'm talking about. The guys that follow sports know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, why would you jeopardize that? Why would you jeopardize that? Uh, you know, business moguls, businessmen, politicians. I mean, they fall just, you know, like dominoes. Much money, much influence. But what happens is, is that, that mammon, a spirit, jumps on them and it leads them into all kinds of deceptions. Now, I put this on the screen and you're going to love this one. Jesus never said that the answer to your problem was more money. Well, that's another write, write this one down. See, you've got problems right now and if you think your problem is you need more money, then you have missed it. You may need more money, but that's not your answer. Jesus never said, go get more money and, and, and all your answers to every problem would be settled. We think, and I've even fallen into this at times, because the spirit of mammon is powerful. But we think if we just had more money, we could solve the problem we were facing. If I just had more money, hey, we'll spiritualize it too. If I just had more money, listen, I could tithe. If I just had more money, I could, I, could, I could give and do something in missions area. If I just had more money, listen, I'm just being totally transparent. There are moments mammon pulls you that you could say, Lord, if, if, if we're just more money, we could build a church and we could reach out to people and we could start this and that and all the rest. And do you understand? Jesus never said money was the answer to our problems and it certainly wasn't the catalyst to his kingdom. I've had people say, if I just had more money, I could quit my job and serve the Lord. I could underwrite this particular program. We've forgotten that all Jesus had at one moment was five loaves and two fishes, and he took care of 5,000 families. Money wasn't the issue. The issue was the little got in his hands, and if you get God's Spirit on the little, he can multiply it to meet the need. You following me now, see? See, the key isn't what you're bringing. The key is, is God's spirit on it. See, he'll, 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 he'll have fish spit out gold coins. Won't he? That's not the issue. The issue is that your lack of money, he'll just bring a fish up from the bottom and hark up a coin. He'll just show up one day and he'll just say, hey, 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 throw your net on the other side of the boat. And he'll sink your boat. I mean, we see it all through the scripture. The prophet goes to a, a widow. Now, can you imagine in, in our modern day, the widow, all the widow has is a little oil and a little flour, and that's all she has. And then she's done. And, and the prophet comes and says, make me a cake. Oh, if there was only TV, if Geraldo was only there in those days. Can you believe? Prophet takes widow's last oil and cake. Oh, bad prophet. You know, we chuckle, but we know that to be true. Because we don't think in these terms anymore. You see, the issue wasn't just a little flour and a little cake. The issue was the little bit. And how do we get God's spirit on the little bit to where oil flows without stopping? See, that's the question. That's the question at least I've been wrestling with. The answer isn't more money, but rather we need our money to receive a touch from God. Now, how do you get God's spirit on your finances? Can we agree that if there is a demonic power on our money called mammon, and if it's a demonic power, then we would understand that it will be devoured, it will steal, that spirit will deplete us, 
and what we use to navigate our finances through life, if mammon is on it, it isn't going to make it. Because that is the enemy's plan, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to sap you dry. He wants to make sure there's not enough. He wants you to live at the end of a pencil. That's the enemy. That's not God. And it's not just about meeting our needs. But the Bible says that God would even grant to us, if our heart's right, again, right action, right heart, right order, that he would grant to us even the desires of our heart. So we understand that if mammon is on the money, that, that automatically we, we, we've got a tug of war going on here that isn't going to be good. However, can we also agree that if God's spirit gets on our finances, that it could multiply and that the devourer could not touch it? Are you following me? See, this is, this is the point our money starts talking to us again. Now, I know even here, and, and, and please come back to Legacy if you're a guest with us, because I only spend a little time on this. Next week, I'll talk about probably relationships and other sorts of things. But on occasion, a pastor has to talk about this area uh, because Jesus talked about this area. I mean, I don't apologize for talking about prayer. I don't apologize for talking about, you know, faith. I don't apologize for talking about reading God's word. I don't apologize for these things. I'm not going to apologize for this. This is a part of our stewardship is under the Lord. But what happens is, is that mammon will speak to us because we have been conditioned by manipulators and people who are shysters, shenanigans, Christian television, silliness. And so what happens is when we try to teach something legit, we instantly get the picture that, that they're trying to work some, some bucks out of my hand. And so what we hear is, you hear this, don't listen to him. He's trying to clear land. He's trying to build a building. This is just another one of those gimmicks. Don't listen to him. He's just like the guys on television trying to get you to give more of your hard-earned money. It's your money. You can do with your money what you want to do with it. And that little voice starts talking to us. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's mammon. Satan's a liar. See, I got a hold of this. The answer is not more money. The answer is getting God's spirit on our money. You see, Satan will always lie. He will lie to you and he will have you question your own motives. He'll have you question other people's motives. He'll have you question sincerity and genuineness. He will throw up a thousand arguments to you in order to keep mammon on your finance. Sure he would. Sure he would. Because the instant you recognize that you can break his spirit off something and God can multiply something, you become a threat to him and a blessing to the kingdom. You see, if I don't teach this, who's going to teach this to you? The government? Don't you find it interesting how the government wants your money first? Has that ever dawned on you why they would want it first? You know why? It's because mammon's on it. You cannot serve God and mammon. It's interesting that if we were to suggest an automatic tithe come out of everybody's check, first, you would hear a cry from America, we would be we would be on 48 hours and 60 minutes and nightline and you'd have all sorts of investigated reporting going on. But the government gets its 30, 40 percent. And we just it's the government. Who, who, who's your God? See, who's your God? See, if I don't if I don't begin to teach you things. 
It'll never set you free. You see, government is ruled by mammon. Everybody in Washington, D.C. right now is ruled by mammon. They're cut deals in back rooms because of mammon. They want what they want to get to their district because of mammon. Nobody's thinking about anything else but them. And I'll say it again. God doesn't need your money. Government needs your money. God doesn't need your money. You need God's spirit to get on your money. Because I tell you what, I've given the government all kinds of money. And so far, they haven't multiplied me all that well. You're following me. I mean, I haven't, I haven't been multiplied. They haven't come to my door and knocked on my door and said, oh, hey, just going to multiply back to you. Well, you say, how do we do this then, Pastor? How do you get God's favor and spirit on this? Well, turn to the book of Proverbs real quick. Turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 3. In fact, um, I'm going to end this probably sooner than I thought. And uh, I know what the time is, honey, so I, I know, Randy, I'm just going to give you and uh, Cindy a heads up and, and, uh, because I'm going to come down for a landing and let people fellowship, so we're going to let you be released because I'm going to be done here a lot sooner than I thought. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. When you find it, tell me amen. amen. Proverbs 3, verse 9. Now listen to what he says here. He says, honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruit of all your increase. So you understand where we are. We're coming back to those original lessons here. The last two weeks. It says, honor the Lord. The first fruit of all your increase. The first, he's first, remember. Then look at verse 10. What happens when that takes place? It says, so your barns will be what? Filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, this is a picture of, of God saying that if you will do this first thing, what happens is, is that God will get on what's left and he'll begin to multiply blessing in your life. Now, I want to just review something here real quick. You remember last week I, I went through all those weird verses in Exodus in the Old Testament and we talked about clean and unclean sheep and, and donkeys and breaking necks and all those kind of things. Now, remember what I told you, that, that when you had a, a sheep farm, when you, were, when you were a sheep farmer, that as the firstborn came out, you had to give him the first one. He didn't want the, the 25th one, even if it was woolier, fatter, better. He didn't care. God wants the first one. And the reason he wants the first one is because the first one represented his lordship over everything. Now, if it wasn't good, or if you, if you uh, had donkeys or other unclean animals... What you would do is, is that you would offer then a clean animal in place of the unclean animal. And I'm just reminding you that, that the reason they did this in Old Testament times was that as that was offered unto the Lord, that clean thing would begin to redeem everything else that was under your purview. In other words, if I gave them the sheep, if I offered up the first fruit sheep, God would receive that and the blessing would come to the rest of the herd. If I offered the 25th one, God, it might be the same amount. Are you following the same amount? But just because it was the same amount, God was under no obligation to bless or multiply the flock because it wasn't the first one. Now, this is important because we told you last week that you can be giving God 10%, which we know to be a tithe, but if it's not the first 10%, then you see, we can give them 10%, but you still got mammon on your money. 
Now you're starting to get revelation now. I can hear the revelation rumble. Because last week I know some people said, okay, that's all right, that's cool, I guess, Pastor. That was good to know. But now we're, now, now we're letting it sink in a little bit. Because this is what goes on in homes, and it went on in my home for years. In fact, we, we didn't change this till probably, I don't know, six years, seven years ago. I mean, it really got in us where we switched some things up. Now, we tithe. We've been, we've been tithers for, golly, probably 30 years. But it's only been probably the last seven to ten years that I got a hold of what it meant to be first. I'll just give you an example in my house. Whenever the check gets cut off, which represents my salary, it's handed to me. I'm usually right here at the church office. I'll get my, my check. I'll walk into my office. I will set that. I'll fill out the deposit slips like all of you would probably do as you're preparing to take it to the bank. And, be, and before I even get a chance to go to the bank, I have in my drawer right here to my left, I can pull out a checkbook. I probably shouldn't have said that. Now everybody's going to go after. But I can pull out my checkbook and before a bill's paid... Before we take care of all the other needs that are in my house, I, I write out the tithe. Rip it off. And I have a folder. Now, I put it in the folder because I think it's important for me to come to the house of God in order to demonstrate that the pastor's house is fully invested giving. And so I model that before you. Don't mind it. I think that's important for a pastor to do. You need to understand that what I preach, I live. But the truth of the matter is, before anything else comes off my checkbook, I slip that into the folder and it's done. It's first. It is absolutely first. Now, I told you last week, for many people, now it's not that you don't have a heart to give. It's not that you don't love the Lord. Listen to me. It's just that you didn't know. You had a right action. You had a right heart. But now I'm helping you get right order. And that is when that's given to us, understand the government has already got theirs, right? For most of you, government has gotten theirs. And that irritates me to no end. So I think it becomes all the more incumbent upon me because I can't control that because it just it comes out that I need to be sure that God understands that the electric company isn't getting theirs before God gets his Publix isn't getting theirs before God gets his. All right, GMAC financing isn't getting theirs before God gets his. Now, listen to me. Here's the deal. I may end up having 10% still at the end of it all, and that's good, and I'm glad, and we'll receive it, and we'll still use it for kingdom purposes, but I'm challenging you right now to begin to see with spiritual eyes that if, that if you did it that way, mammon is still on your money. I'm telling you, when it's first, you can begin to get God's spirit on your money. Amen. I know you say that's hey, let me tell you, this is just you're just trying to make this funny accounting thing. Let me tell you, go back. God, God was funny about it. He was real funny about I want the first sheep. I want the first one. I don't care. I don't care if it's your child's favorite sheep. I don't care if he named it. I don't care. I don't care if you've got one that's better or it seems better in your eyes. I don't care. I want the first one. The first one. Now, it's interesting here because our text, if you'll go back to Luke 16, our text says that mammon, is it not interesting, is called what? Unrighteous, right? Mammon was unrighteous. So he said, make friends in verse 9 by unrighteous mammon. He says it again in verse 11. He says, if you've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon. Everyone say unrighteous. So mammon is what? So if mammon's on your money, what, 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 therefore, what does that make your money? Un, or, or unclean, right? Are, are you following me? 
Unrighteous, righteous is clean, unclean. It says mammon is unrighteous. It's unclean. So you got to hear me. You were paid wherever you work or however you you facilitate or navigate life with your finances. And it happens to me, too, because I get it that way, too. I get unclean, unrighteous mammon. That's what I get paid with. Unrighteous mammon. It's got a spirit on it. Therefore, it must be what? Redeemed. I'm glad for my check. Hallelujah. But this has to be redeemed because unless it's redeemed, it cannot be multiplied. God will never multiply dysfunction and he will never he will never multiply unrighteousness. I mean, we, we, we can multiply unrighteousness, leave it to the government to multiply unrighteousness. But God multiplies righteousness. So this is what happens. God has already set it up. He says, then when you return to me, he says, the tithe, when you give me the first fruit. And by the way, is that not an interesting you never give your tithe. You, you don't give your tithe. You return the tithe. God never says give it. He says return it. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but let's just say for an example. I was going out of town and. And Tracy and I were at the airport and, and, and you needed you needed a car for a week. I was going to be gone a week and your car had broken down and you needed you needed a car to get around. And you said, hey, pastor, can I can I could, could I borrow your car for this week in order to get around? And, uh, you know, when you get back, we'll we'll get it all together again and make it right. And I'll drop you off at the airport, pick you up. And, and, and we say, cool, that's great. And so you drop us off at the airport we go do whatever we do for the week, and, and, and then you get to drive my car. Now, this is my car. You get to drive it around all week long. And finally, at the end of the week, you come to the airport to pick me up, and as I'm coming out and I'm meeting you, and you come up to me, and, and you say, I, I just want you to know that I'm going to give you the car that I was using all week long. You're going to give me the car. Yes, I, I want you to know I'm just feeling benevolent this week. feel like it's the Lord that's leading me to do this. But I'm going to give you the car. Now, how many of you know, if it were me, <laughs> you ain't giving me nothing. Are you following me? What are you doing? You're returning my car. That's my car. I, I let you use it. You aren't giving me what I let you use. You're returning it to me. See, that's the thing we've got to get. Do you understand that God is the one that got you your job? God is the one that prospered your hand. God is the one that brought you clients. God is the one that opened up doors. God is the one that raised you up. God is the one that gives you breath in your lungs. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, For it is God who gives you power to create wealth. And can you imagine when God says, Return to me the tithe, and we walk up to Him and say, I'm going to give you this. God, He ain't giving me nothing. You're returning to me that which I have already given to you. I understand we don't think that way. We don't like to think that way. And mammon is even talking to us right now. Mammon. Mammon. See, God isn't going to take leftovers. He wants the first. God will not multiply what wasn't first. And I was thinking about this. It really kind of hit me last night. We went out to dinner last night and I was thinking about it because I always like to take care of the server real well. Uh, because I just think that's a blessing and it's a good testimony to do that. And, and so after uh, dinner, 
uh, we had actually lingered at the table, so I wanted to put a little extra in there because I know I burned up his table for a little longer than what was normally uh, appropriate. And I started even thinking about it then as I was going back to my car. I thought to myself, you know, you know what the difference between tithing and tipping is? Of course, God gets 10%, and when you tip, it's like 15 to 20%, so I guess that says something too. But, but I started thinking what the difference between tithing and tipping is. Tipping, tipping is what you do at the end of your meal, supposedly, when everything has gone well and smooth, and you want to honor that. I mean, you, you, you give a tip at the end of your meal. Could you imagine tipping before you ever got anything? I mean, that would be a real faith walk, wouldn't it? I'm going I'm to tip you, believe, and I'm going to get something from you. I mean, we wouldn't even concede that because tipping, just by virtue of the culture, has generated into something you do at the end with someone who has served you in such a way that you acknowledge it and, and, and you want to you recognize it. Listen, we have turned tithing into tipping. I know it's quiet because that's what we do. It's like, all right, God, if you show up and you do this, then I will do it. If you, if you prosper my hand, I promise, I promise, I will do this, I will do that. And all of a sudden, God has become this servant for us. Instead of understanding that we step into acknowledging Him and His ownership long before He ever responds to us. It's because it's Him. Do you understand right now? <gasps> that was God. He didn't have to let me do that. I just breathed and it was God. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? I'm glad right now. That was the Lord. I'm going to eat some of your food here in just a minute. Some of you did a wonderful job on it. In fact, I suspect all of you did a wonderful job on it. Do you understand that you, you, didn't, you didn't provide that? God provided it to you. So that you could come. Because you see, He gave so you could give. Right? I mean, I mean, if you're a guest today, I mean, I realize guests didn't come prepared. I understand that. And we want you to come and enjoy and, and we want you to stay. But, but could, could you imagine being, being a part of something or a family and all you are is just sucking it dry all the time? You're just sucking it dry all the time. I, all right, I got a witness on that one somewhere. I won't. See, that's, you see, we're a part of the family of God. And we and God gives to us in order that we might give as well. And if you understand that, you can begin to understand why he said what he did in Malachi chapter 3. And I'm finally here after three weeks. And we're done. This is the last message. You can breathe a sigh of relief. Pastors leaving, leaving the bank accounts. But while the few moments I have left, it says this. It says, will a man rob God? Yet you robbed me, the Lord says. You saved in what ways have we robbed you? In tithe and offering. You're cursed with the curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. What he says is this. It, it, it's that it hasn't been right heart, right action, right order. And what happens is, is that a curse has come upon the whole nation. It's open to the devourer. It's open to mammon. And then he says, bring therefore the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And this is what the Lord says. The only time he ever says it. He says, try me now or test me now in this. And see what? If I will not open for you the windows of and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. In other words, he says, if you'll try me in this, test me in this, he says, I will multiply that to where you won't even be able to contain it all. 
And he says, I will also rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so he'll not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all the nations will call you blessed. I'm, th- listen, I'm gonna, I have just determined in my household, I'm going to get to the place where people stop me and ask, why are you so blessed? Why are you so blessed? For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. See, that makes sense now, doesn't it? All of that makes sense when you begin to understand God's firstness. So listen carefully. If you give God the first 10%, it redeems the other 90%. If you give God any 10%, it still has a spirit on it. You say, well, I'm... I tell you what, I don't know if I like this. I don't know if I'm going to do anything anymore than keep it. You see, I, God doesn't need it. See, you don't understand. You say, well, I know you do. No, I don't. Because you are not my source. God is my source. See, I still believe he could send someone by here. If this, I'm not saying it would happen, all right? So don't be offended by what I'm fixing to say here. All right? If you've been here any length of time, I've probably already hardened you to that issue. So... All right, Pastor, you've already offended me before. This isn't going to do it. But you see, if all of us got not, all of us got stiff-necked and rebellious, just all of us just decided we're just not going to do it. I still believe that if one person did it, I believe that if I did it, he could still send somebody down Sam Rittenberg, stop their car, come in here, and write the check. Because he's not subject to you or me. He's not, you see, we got to understand, he's not subject to your boss. He's not subject to your career. He's not subject to anything. And the problem is, we've tied ourselves into the system of this world and mammon to where now we all think what we should be looking to God for answers, we look to government for answers. This wasn't ever meant to be political, but it's a good point. Because you see, Washington, D.C. and Columbia is not my source. It will run out, people. Mark my words. It, it, it is not infinite. They can't keep printing it and you just keep getting it. It will run out. You better tie into something that never runs dry. You better get God's spirit on the little you got. Because little is much when God is in it. Isn't that how the old song went? That is why, in my humble opinion, though, that the Church of America hasn't seen multiplication like we've been promised. It's be, listen, it's because we may make a very little and we say to ourselves, well, I just make so little, what difference would it make? And we don't obey. And some people make so much that they can't imagine moving the decimal point to spots and releasing that kind of money at once. And we all work through it in our minds. And we never get God's spirit on what he could do miraculously in this area. I was reading the other day, and I'll be done. That the national average for a Christian household, listen to this. The national average for a Christian household in their giving was 1.8%. It's the national average. Christians. Now, this isn't just everybody. This is just Christians. In fact, this is what's interesting. This is interesting to me, too. A lot of liberal politicians, if you get their tax records, they don't give much anything. Because they want to get it from you so they can give it. I know I just irritated another 10 or 15 people. I'm just telling you. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, people don't understand what's going on here. Now, listen. I am grateful 
that we as a congregation do exponentially better than that. I mean, banks look at us and what we do, and they, they just they go, wow, that's incredible. So I, I, want, I want you to know, as a congregation, I appreciate you. And, and, and God has blessed you, obviously, and you've been generous, and I want to affirm that. And God has done some wonderful things in us because that's not our rating or record. But can I just share this, just using that whole blanket statement of 1.8%. Can you see why in America that really God isn't helping us because we're not serious about taking the gospel to the world? Do you believe that 1.8% will provide the tools necessary for this generation to be reached? I mean, government thinks it's got to have 30, 40% in order to do what it has to do. God says, if you just give me the first 10, I can begin to do things that are beyond your wildest imagination. I mean, can you begin to imagine with me what could be possible if God really came first? Just imagine if every believer got a hold of this, we could change this nation. What would it be like if every believer, I'm not talking just about us, but every believer honored God with the first. Imagine every church being able to send missionaries and fully funding them so they don't have to spend most of their time raising money to figure out how they're going to get supported on the foreign field. Think about that. Think about having enough money to buy out your local abortion clinic and turn it into a birthing center where every baby that is born can be adopted to Christian parents. Think about that. We could buy out everything. Imagine every local church starting its own school through the university level and just saying it's free because believers honored God with the first. That's, do you understand that what we do now would, exp- would go up six times? 1.8 times approximately five or six would equal 10%. Can you imagine every church staffing its own medical clinic with care made available free of charge? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having youth centers with state-of-the-art equipment from movie theaters to sports facilities? to doing all these sorts of things so that people came in. Young people would come in, not just just get off the streets and do what they do in the governmental program, but they came in and the gospel was proclaimed to them and we began to speak to them what would really set them free. Could you imagine that? I mean, let's just go. I mean, I mean, there would be. Could you imagine a church being able to provide support for even single parents who I know struggle? But could you imagine what could happen if you had the resources to be able to say, listen, you you keep honoring God, you keep working hard, and you know what, we're going to stand with you because every family is important. Could you imagine? You could do that if everybody honored God with the first. If everybody did that. Now, I'm not just saying this. I, I'm talking about the body at large. That's what God could do. He says that I would send a blessing that would not only come upon you, but it would what? Over, overtake you. Here's what we're going to do, and I'm done. I brought the offering down here this morning. This is just a little illustration, and uh, I'm just setting it here. And we've taught on this before, and we'll let it go probably a year again before I touch it again. But this is what I want to do. In fact, why don't you just stand with me, will you please? And if I have some musicians, why don't you come, and you can kind of be my background noise here for just a moment so it's not just dead air. But I want to pray because represented in that and from week to week, what gets represented in the offering 
are many, many people's first fruits. And, and their offerings. And uh, their obedience to the Lord. And, and I just feel like we're getting revelation in the day we're in right now. I believe the heavens have been opened. I believe the favor of God is upon us. I believe He's teaching us things that we need to take seriously. And uh, I, I, I'm just going to break the spirit of mammon. Yeah. Am I, am I trying to clear land? Yes. For a church? I, I, yep. We all are. Trying to build a church? Yes. Planning a cross first? Yes. Yes. And we need God's spirit on this. I'm going to share the story I shared with the people Friday night at Vertical that, that the banker and I had a, had a meeting and um, we sat down and, and it's about a year before our note expires. And, and so I wanted to make sure I understood where we were going to be in a year potentially so that we could uh, have plenty of time if we had to mobilize to do something. And we reviewed all the things we've done the last two years. And, and, and he's a nice guy. And he sat down with me and he, and he said, well, pastor, if I were strategizing with you, this is what I would suggest. And he gave me this plan. And um, it was what a banker would give you. I mean, there was nothing wrong with it. It was very much a, a plan that would make sense to the natural mind. It was very much a plan that uh, if, if we were functioning in the natural, you would implement. And I sat there and, and, and said, I understand. I, I understand totally what you're saying. But then I said, would you mind if I just shared with you what God's been saying to us? And I just, I just dumped the truck. I figure, what have I got to lose? This thing expires in a year, I guess. What have I got to lose? And I said, you know what? The Lord just spoke to us about planning a cross and putting first things first. And that, and that somehow or another favor would come and resource us. And, and, and I explained to him how, how vision works within a church and how, 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 how people respond spiritually, maybe at a different level than just naturally we do these things. And I'm, I'm not kidding you, as we were sitting there, in that office, I could see, I could see, I could see this. It wasn't, it wasn't a bad spirit, but I could see God's spirit beginning to change. And suddenly my banker goes, I can see it. He's just a Catholic man. He's a, he's a nice guy. Committed Catholic. And he goes, I can, I can see it. I can understand now why you would do that and think that way. And all of a sudden he was just sharing and doing this. And, and, and he looked at me, and this is the two things he said. You know what? Let's, we're going to go through this year, and, and when we get to the first of the year, we're going to look at P&L sheets and financials and see where you're at. But he said, I can promise you this. He goes, number one is we'll either be able to help you get this accomplished. And, and I said, well, that's great. But what I need to know is if something goes, are, are you going to be able to help us refinance and, just, and, and keep us going? He said, listen. He said, you're one of our star clients. He said, we had, a federal, we had a federal auditor come the other day to the bank, and they pulled your file for some reason. They pulled your file. And he said, they opened it up, and they looked at it, and they reviewed the whole deal. And they closed it, and he goes, you got to understand, federal auditors never do this. He, they, they said, this one's great. Keep them. And this, now listen, now that's good to know, but listen, that, what that, but I'll tell you what God said in all of that, the changing of the disposition, the federal auditor, God's giving us favor. See, there's a favor over this congregation right now. Listen, we cannot, we cannot suddenly get stiff-necked. We cannot, we cannot do this. Not when God's favor is upon us. We cannot do this. 
We need to continue to hear what he's saying and do what he's saying. And, and one of the things I just believe we need to do is we need to seize this favorable moment and believe God that he will multiply in amazing ways. Now hear me, God's going to multiply you. For this church to be multiplied, that means you've got to And I want you right now, one more time, to extend your hands right now. Yeah, it's unrighteous mammon. Unrighteous mammon. Unclean. This is unclean. But right now, it's going to be redeemed. We've been redeeming it. We're going to rede- and we're going to break the spirit of mammon off this right now. And every, and every Sunday, we may not do it specifically, but I will assure you, counters break the spirit of mammon off that stuff. Maria is the bookkeeper. I know Maria will remember this until Jesus comes. Break the spirit of mammon off that stuff. Following me now. Come on, ushers, as you're receiving it, break the spirit of mammon off that stuff. Come on now, we're going to redeem this. Let's pray. Everybody praying in Jesus' name. Lord, we break. Come on, say it. We break every oppressive force, especially mammon, off our finances. We believe it is redeemed because we honor you as first. You're redeeming the rest. Cause it to be clean. Let it be multiplied. It may be five loaves and two fishes in our natural eyes, but in your hands, it can feed multitudes. And in the name of Jesus, let your spirit fall on our finances. Lord, do your work. Distinguish yourself. Cause multiplication to come. We boldly step into the confession that the blessing will come upon us and overtake us. It will come so great we'll not be able to contain it. We're no longer giving to get, but we're giving to give. As you get it to us, We promise it'll get through us. You're number one in Jesus' name. Can you say amen and believe with me for that? Hey, yeah, believe with me for that. Amen. Amen. I believe it's just going to multiply back there right now. Father, thank you right now. I'm going to pray a blessing now. I know all of us, whenever I say the last amen, we're used to shooting out the doors. But remember now, the kids will come to you. We need you guys to help with Ed set up. And, and everybody, because the key is keeping folks out of the way so we can set up the tables and chairs. So please, please help us. Please help us. We appreciate that. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this people. I thank you for the sense of power and anointing that's here that breaks every yoke and bondage and burden. I thank you, Lord, that you're positioning ourselves, your people, for greater things. Lord, we want that. We want to be used for great purposes and great causes from you and the earth. So, Lord, give us a great day. Lord, we thank you for the new members again that have come. And, Lord, we believe this is going to be a great fellowship. And we're going to be strengthened even more just by able to interact and visit, laugh, and enjoy one another. Your spirit will be there amongst us as well. 
Lord. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Come on, one more time. We'll bless the Lord with a hand clap. 